Welcome to the show. My name is James Nielsen Watt, and in this show, we interview interesting, inspiring, and successful people so you can learn the secrets to success and can play the game of life, business, health, and happiness better. And the philosophy we take here is if I'm leveling up my game, you get to level up yours as well. So get ready to listen to some inspiring people who have figured out how to have success in all areas of life, health, happiness, wealth, business. We're gonna be interviewing them in this show so that you can learn the secrets to success that they share with practical advice that you can take and use today. So if you enjoy the show, please subscribe, please leave us a review, and please share it with your friends because if I can help you and you can help others, then we can help more people together and we can all level up our game together. Welcome to the Healthcare Business Secrets Show, where we interview industry leaders and break down exactly how they're dominating their markets so you can learn from the best and double your revenue, double your impact, and double your time off. In this episode, we're speaking with Mikey Taylor. Mikey's a professional skateboarder and president of Commune Capital. He started skating when he was only 14 years old, uh, and it became his passion and turning into a professional career in 2001. Everything was going smoothly. Uh, He held lucrative sponsorship contracts with DC Shoes, GoPro cameras, and Alien Workshop, but he always kept in his mind he needed to be financially free uh, and that skateboarding wouldn't last forever. In 2010, uh, he started investing in real estate, co-founded St. Archer Brewing Company, uh, that was eventually sold for millions of dollars to Miller Coors in 2015. And from that point on, he founded his current company, Commune Capital, in 2018. Welcome to the show, Mikey. Hey, thanks for having me. Super excited to have you on. I think you got an interesting uh, background and we we're kind of talking pre-show. You know what I mean? I was like, did you did you break your ankle or or what was the reason that you decided to get into business? Um, run us through that. Tell us, tell us about your journey because, you know, as a as a kid and and getting into the professional scene and kind of getting known. And that's kind of like the dream, right? Like, especially in, in anything like sports, but especially skating, I think there's, there's always this dream of like, man, I'm going to, I'm going to make it. And, and mm. for what it seems like you, you had, but then you got to a point intelligently. So maybe and thought, you know, this might not last forever. Whereas I think that a lot of guys don't think that they think it, the party can keep going. Tell us about your background and, and, and why you made that transition and, and why it was different for you. Why you thought about it differently. I guess to start, Yes. Like when you're an athlete and you know, you love your craft and then it turns into a career, it's a dream come true, right? For a lot of us though, especially in skateboarding, we don't make enough for that to be it, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like we're making 50, hundred million bucks and we are good, you know? So it's, it's a blessing. Yes. But it's like almost like a curse as well. It's so weird to say that because you have your passion, it turns into a career. It's all you want to do, but you can't do it forever. And you're going to have to figure out what you're going to do next, right? So kind of life after skateboarding is inevitable for us. Or retirement 1.0 is going to kind of happen. And then we're going to have to move into 2.0. The hard part is the longer you're a pro skateboarder, the harder that transition becomes. And so you have this feeling of like you're living on borrowed time. You also struggle with this idea of like your identity is in skateboarding. You know skateboarding the longer you're in it to transition out of skateboarding into kind of the normal world, you know, it's a lot easier to transition at 25 than it is 40. Mm -hmm. So it's like one of those things, like the more successful you are in skateboarding, the harder it becomes actually on the transition. So weird to say. So there was all of that. And then kind of the other thing for me was uh, I didn't go to college. And at that point, like, my parents were really freaked out that I wasn't going to school and I was going to be a, become a pro skateboarder. And 
you know, I think because of that experience of them being scared, them not really wanting me to do it, I kind of took that as holy crap, like my future is going to sacrifice. I'm going to sacrifice my future by doing this. Mm. And so I always had this idea of like, I wasn't ever going to become as successful as I could have been. So I'm going to have to just figure this all out on my own. Like no one's going to hire me. I'm not going to get in the door anywhere. I didn't think I was an entrepreneur back then. I didn't even know what that meant. And so I just felt like crap, man, if I want to make something happen, it's got to be in my hands. Like I'm I'm just going to have to do it myself, you know? And then it ended up working out as a blessing. (laughs) So you, you decided to to get into real estate. Is that the first thing that you, you did coming off the back of skating? The answer is yes and no. The very first thing I started doing when I was skating was just maximizing the amount of money I was making to invest in ways that would help me when my career ended. Uh, real estate became an option once I built up enough cash to participate. The, mm. the hard thing about real estate is barrier to entry is high. Mm. And you know, the beginning of my skate career, I just didn't make that much money. So I had to spend time getting to that point. But once, once that door opened, that then became my biggest driving passive investment to kind of help whatever this transition was going to become. And so did you just, did you keep, did you get, cause in New Zealand it's, it's a little bit different, but I assume it's a similar concept, right? You, you get some cash, you get a property and then you gain equity and you refinance and you pivot into other things and you flip and things like that. What was your journey with, with real estate? Was it buy and hold? Were you flipping? Yeah, it's a great question. So I started investing with a group of people who were in the storage business and their model was uh, they were building out a portfolio. So they would go in, find distressed assets, buy them up at discount, then repurpose into storage and then do it over and over and over again. So yes, the answer is they are buy and hold. Yes, they build equity or build appreciation in their process kind of the exchange model or, or kind of what we call uh, the Burr strategy. And if anybody doesn't know, I think this is what you're referring to. The Burr strategy is when you buy a property, you renovate it, you rent it, you refi it, and then you repeat. So it's this idea that you can add value to a property, pull cash out or your initial investment, and then do it all over again. That was some of their idea, but not all of it. They, they they raised money and used other investors' capital to be able to build out this this portfolio. So uh, I was just a part of that while I was skateboarding. Okay, kind of like you'd put money in, and you were or you were part of the decision making process, and the, and etc. You're just kind of co investor in it. In the beginning, I was fully passive, so uh, I had no day to day. As far as liabilities, there was a layer of protection because I was called what's called a limited partner, not a general partner. And so I made money because my money was in the deal. They yeah. made money because they were working on the deals. Yeah, makes sense. And you get so you fully get passive for me. Mm. I have a yeah. I have a friend that does property syndication and where he's yeah. bringing in investors and they're flipping things. And then you're basically uh, forget how he does it. If he's listening to this, he he's probably knows sees that I'm butchering it. But basically, from my understanding, is is you're almost like a like a shareholder in a company that's making these these deals, and your money is in there, and you're bought into the company. But then the company does the things, uh, so there's layers of protection. So from there, you obviously started to have some success with it, and started to transition into some other things. Started a brewing company, or did you purchase and? No, I started. That was my first like business endeavor. Was starting a craft brewery with two of like my really close friends. And that's what became, that's what like 
created this like business journey. Like prior to that, like I was just a skater. I had more of a, like, I really enjoyed the business side of skateboarding. I think that's like where a lot of my success came. But prior to that, I had no real business experience. Mm. Uh, that was the beginning for us. And so that is actually what changed at least my view of what the future is going to become. I knew that business or me creating business was going to be what I would do. The real estate at that point, I didn't think it was going to be in my future. That, that was just a vehicle that I was using passively because I thought it was a great asset to you know, generate wealth with. But mm. no, it, 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 both of them weren't on my original. It, it was just weird how it happened. You know? Yeah. So then you, you sold it off, did quite well. Fast forward, you did some podcasting, I believe. And then fast forward, now you've got Commune Capital. Tell us about that. Yeah. So basically, uh, our original plan with St. Archer was we didn't think we'd sell it so fast. We thought it was going to take us 10 to you know, 13, 15 years before we got it to the point of an exit. It happened in three and a half. So timeline was way off. And what I also thought is when I stopped skating, I was going to do St. Archer full time. So when we did St. Archer, I was like a hybrid role. I was still skating half the time. And then I had time that I was dedicating towards the business. And I thought I was going to skate for two more years and then fully step away from skateboarding and run St. Archer with my partner. Well, we ended up selling it prior to my career ending, which was like a huge blessing. But the challenge was my backup plan went away. We sold the backup Mm. plan. So I had to figure out what I was going to do next. In the beginning, I wasn't totally sure. I just knew it was going to be some form of business. I was going to start something. And when my career ended, I had become like one of three people that didn't have to work. It was, I, I had the choice to do it, which is not normal for skateboarders. And so as I was going through that, I had a lot of people reaching out to me inside the skate community going, how did you do this? Like, mm. how, this is so different than what we're used to doing. And it was just over and over those conversations created this idea that I could create a company that, uh, kind of was twofold. One, there was an education component on how to use your money to put yourself in a better position when your career ended. And then the other part, I wanted it to be some type of opportunity that people could participate with myself. And when I was skating, the one that I always loved was the real estate. That was the one Mm -hmm. that like, from a risk standpoint, I felt really comfortable with. It gave me cash flow. I got to participate in appreciation. It checked all the boxes as far as you know how I wanted to put the majority of my money to work. And so I ended up starting a business where uh, instead of me selling a product, uh, we were selling an investment. But there's also the business element to it because we were creating the business. So it was almost like bringing both of those worlds together. And it's been fun, man. It's it's, it's yeah. It's a lot different, but it's really cool because I, I always liked investing, but I just didn't only want to be an investor because I really do like having to you know, come up with an idea to create something and then all of the crap that it goes through to bring that to life. And then once it's to life, how do you sustain it and grow it? I really love that aspect. So uh, it, it has been cool to bring both components together. So if I heard you correctly, you're, you're managing wealth and, and using property as the vehicle to, to appreciate and get back to investing. Yep. Yep. So basically we run three different portfolios. Now we have one in uh, apartment buildings, one in storage and one in lending, and we will go out and raise money similar to what your friend does on the syndication side, except we don't do it for one property. We do it for multiple properties. 
So we will go out, raise money. Investor will then invest in the portfolio. We will take that capital, find opportunity that is part of our niche. We create the value in it. We manage it. And then when that process is done correctly, we then distribute a return for investors. And then we, as the managers, get to participate in that as well. So yeah. uh, that is our business. And then on social media, uh, all of our content is created around financial literacy. Just trying to teach people about money mm. because I, I don't know how it is out there, but in America, uh, our schooling system just decided to skip that phase completely. They don't talk mm. about money at all. So there's a big void in the market where a lot of us want to know about money and there's no one teaching us how to use it, how to succeed at it, et cetera. So those are kind of the two parts of our business. Interesting. It's the right strategy. And I think that any business owner can look at it like that. It's like, how are you serving your ideal client? Not necessarily directly, but even indirectly to then draw them into your world so that when they're they're ready, they, they look at you. There's an example of... Uh, I forgot who who said this, but they there's a channel that they they do insurance for like restored classic cars, some real hard niche to insure. And he's I think they're like an insurance agent essentially, and they have this massive YouTube channel that's all just related to the types of cars and the audience and the people that that love that stuff. And on every video is like buy insurance for your car, basically yeah. through me. And um, I think yeah. that as a marketing strategy, it works well, right? Like you're teaching people financial literacy when they start to understand these things better and they realize, hey, I need to do some investing and, you know, grow a little nest egg or whatever. They look at right. you. That's um, right. That's right. Tell me about, tell me about what your findings working with that the best right now. Are you using a lot of ads? Are you using like a, a podcast show, Facebook groups? What are you doing mostly? Well, we use all of the social media platforms. So, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, uh, Clubhouse, et cetera, all of them. But we are only uh, experiencing organic growth and organic marketing uh, at the moment. And then that is coupled with the platforms that I had built prior to me starting this company, which I, I had some people following. So it, it's kind of, I started changing my platform to communicate more of an entrepreneurial message, incorporating finance into it. And then using that to direct people towards our company. And then our company uh, grows organically and through me kind of pushing people over there. Yeah. And then we find leads, you know, through social platforms, but we have not, we've been talking to different groups for about two years on how to apply digital marketing to create leads for our business. The, the challenge is when it comes to raising capital or using a digital marketing strategy to raise money we don't see a lot of money in fees to manage our investment. So I guess for anyone in the product side, our margin is very, very small. Mm -hmm. So it's been really hard to figure out a strategy that even makes sense financially, because a lot of times you're putting more dollars out that you're even going to realize coming in through investment capital. Uh, so, so far, that's a long, long, long way to say it's all organic. My two cents is you need to have a liquidating front end. Literacy program. That's exactly right. And then you, you offset that return to then uh, fund the component of raising capital. You sell a thousand dollar program and even that's right. That's right. Breaks even, but you have ten percent of them become invested. That's right. Yeah, that's right. I think Grant, Grant Cardone does that, right? I know he does. It's just it, you're you're now creating more business around your business, which I understand, but it's almost like a 
when you're getting started, you only have so many resources, mm-hmm. right? And you focus on what your highest priority is. And then as you can allocate more, maybe call it bandwidth towards new avenues that are going to grow your business, you start allocating, right? It's a, it's all a timing thing. And with entrepreneurs, man, we want to do it all at once. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a hard balance, right? Scaling isn't as easy as everybody thinks. It's actually a hard thing to do. So yeah. it's just you know, finding the right time and place to do it. So the business as a whole doesn't sacrifice in areas that aren't the highest calling, I guess you could say. At the moment, we are um, at the time of recording this uh, in like an hour or two, I'm doing a a three-hour masterclass because my primary business is is helping health professionals to to be more successful in practice because the same thing, we we learn as health professionals uh, how to get people results, but we don't learn how to get people to get them results. And then there's this, delusion that you can just be good at what you do and you'll get clients and if that was the case then there'd be a lot of experts that were making more money than they are and they wouldn't be professors because they'd be successful you could argue so when i set out with this it's like how do i get more people to know that i exist to help them know that they exist and etc etc and so this masterclass is what i just said to you which is this self-liquidating front-end offer that is really a collection of all the stuff that I've already done and known just into more of a structured format that gets an outcome recorded yep. once live and then sold as a recording forever after that. Because I've always found that that customers are better than leads because they've got some skin in the game. Um, That's right. And if we can have things paying for themselves, then we could spend, you know, thousand bucks a day, 10,000 bucks a day. Like it doesn't matter because it's paying That's for right. itself. And now That's we're right. doing the organic growth, just not organically. Uh, and that's right. That's, we're, we've done this a, a bit, but we're, we're doing it a lot more uh, stronger now because it all comes down to average order value, right? Like if you can sell a $7 product, but if your average order value is only $7, you're not covering any costs. So we're changing the model up a bit from upsells to, to, to bigger front end, but that's what we're working on at the moment. And um, I think I love that. I love that. Grant Cardone's doing that, right? He's got all of his stuff and then he's just saying, yeah. swipe up, give me 250 grand. <laughs> Grant, that's right. Grant has a really cool strategy because the product that he sells attracts the investor that would invest with him, right? Mm. The added challenge to this is not everyone can invest with us. You have to be an accredited investor to mm. invest, right? So going down the idea of how do I create different avenues or funnels to drive people in, or how do I you know, use the investment as an upsell, you got to be very particular in a sense with, you know, what avatar that wide net is grabbing to then take the percentage that would then look into becoming an investor, right? Mm. With Grant, you're attracting a sales guy who has the capability of making a lot of money, right? Mm. You do live events around entrepreneur, new capture for investors. So the cool thing about what we do is we're helping people understand and learn finance, right? But financial literacy is typically the beginning Mm. And then investor becomes once you're typically knowledgeable and making enough money to participate. So one of the challenges is, and it's funny because it's turning into almost a mastermind itself. How does your first product that's geared to add value and help people learn about money, that is not going to result in the right avatar to then come and invest with us, right? Mm. So then you have the, the kind of decision of, do you just use that to take the profits to then offset the loss that you're going to use to create the marketing campaign for the investor, right? Or do you create a system where your first product is attracting who the investor could be similar to a Grant Cardone 
And then you have this, you know, huge funnel and you're capitalizing or uh, capitalizing, monetizing each avenue along the way. Mm. Uh, you know what I'm saying? But uh, I'm with it. You know, it's just it's just figuring out the, the best place of attack for us. A lot of people and and I teach this in, in our in our program is a lot of people create content and they want to do these things and they want to talk about the stuff. And I'm like, that's cool. But how are you monetizing this thing? Like, how right. is it turning into something? Because inevitably it has to be it has to be generating revenue so that you can continue to do, get your message out. If you actually care yeah. about helping people then you need to be doing everything in your power to allow you to scale that. Otherwise, yep. by extension, you're allowing people to struggle or suffer because you didn't do enough to be able to be present to be able to help them. That's that's my philosophy with it. And B, it has to be it has to be relevant. Otherwise you're you're not drawing in the right people. So you can either, you know, one, two, or three step it. And I think that you've got to understand who your ideal client is uh, when they're ready to to buy, but also who they are when they're not quite ready to buy. Um, That's right. And sometimes it's it's a longer play and sometimes it's it's fast. But grants, like sometimes you can do it direct. You know, you yeah. for example, we teach build a Facebook group around supporting people with, let's say, depression if you're a counselor and then all the people in the group are depressed most likely or know someone who is. And if you help depression, then, you know, you're bringing fish into a pond and then just fishing out of that pond. Um, yeah. Or if you, you know, bringing people together who have, potential to be a client and then you know i think grant's one is it's really interesting it's very self-fulfilling right he's the social media personality of like awesomeness and then runs these conferences on being awesome and then he's like yeah. by the way buy my stuff and be awesome um and then invest with me and be awesome and it's that yeah. 10x brand that that whole thing like the whole another example of that is um is jake paul at the moment that's right that's right uh, dude is crushing it uh, as That's much right. as everyone hates him, I think he's I think he's a genius, and I think that too many people are enrolled in their emotions about stuff instead of just watching what's actually happening. Conor McGregor is who he is because of of what he was doing, and and Jake yeah. is doing the same thing. No one wants to watch two guys fight who 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 are nice to each other and like each other. You want to have this hate, and so he's playing the game, and he's That's getting right. all the attention. He's top ten pay per view fighter I saw. Yeah, in yeah. the top ten ever. Yeah. Jake Paul, yeah, like, yeah, he, he's the money. And and the funny thing for me watching this is is how many thirsty people there are who are like, oh, I'll fight you, I'll knock you out. And Jake's just sitting there saying, everyone just wants a payday now. They're all yeah. trying to play this part, and it's like I get to choose. And that I think that annoys a lot of people is that really he's got the balls in his court. He's got he's occupying the entire minds of everyone in in MMA, rent free. But he's building this machine, and yeah. he's he's leveraging it. Like that's I heard that he was. Uh, trying to get into NFL or something like that. Like that's his new, I don't know whether he's serious about that or not, but like he's, he's pivoting to something there as well. And I think it's interesting. He's got followers. He's got an audience. A portion of his audience are going to be wanting to participate in these things. When he goes and why is he top 10? Because he built a massive audience. And then he says, Hey, who wants to watch me fight some guy that everyone thinks I'm going to lose to. Then he knocks him out in the first round. And like, I don't know. It's it's hilarious to watch, but when you when you break down the strategy, it makes so much sense. Just get everyone yeah. to stare at you, and then sell them stuff. See, but the difference is you and I are looking at the strategy, mm. and everybody else is the con you're you're consuming it. Mm. You're not breaking it down, right? It's the idea of like don't be the consumer, be the creator. Mm. Uh, everyone getting caught up in the emotion is consuming it. They're not watching what's at play. Yeah, you know. I know it's genius. I, 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 great analogy. 
he's got some interest. I think he's going to be a billionaire in in, yeah. in the next twenty years because I won't he's, be surprised. He, he's his entire audience. He's what like twenty four, twenty six, something like that. Um, yeah. he's got all of his audience who are just getting more involved with him, and they don't have money yet, but they're all gonna. Yeah. And he's just going to have you know like Kanye with everyone gave him crap when he was starting fashion lines and things like that. And now everyone wants to do it because he's a billionaire and he's crushing it. You know, Dre and his headphones, like people are starting to understand the game. And I think that at, even at a micro level, like we need to understand the game. How many eyes do we have on us in our community or in our small business or, or whatever we're doing? Our audience needs to be seeing us. Um, yeah. And you need to create opportunity to allow you to generate more eyeballs. And that's why I was saying before, like that's why we're doing it, right? To generate eyeballs, you can either spend a lot of time or you can spend money. And if I can spend money, it's more scalable. So I'm going to do whatever I can to make it cost me nothing and or make me a bit of money or minimal. Yeah. Like if I can get my lead cost down to a dollar, effectively a dollar because I spent 15 and generated 14, I can spend a hell of a lot more than if I'm spending 14, you know, upfront to get that lead. But you got to lean into your, you got to lean into your, into your talents. And Jake Paul is, is able to handle a lot of pressure and, yeah. and really kind of, you know, his whole persona he's created the problem child. This is planned. It's, yeah, I think right. it's genius. It's planned. It, it's hundred percent planned. Um, totally agree with you. What do they say? Like, if you're ever wanting to do any, I'm going to butcher it, but like, you ever want to do anything meaningful, you have to be prepared to go against the grain. You have to be prepared to to go counterculture and 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 get haters and things like that. Because if you're not doing enough to generate any interest and you're not doing it in a polarizing enough fashion, no one's going to care, and therefore no one's going to buy your stuff. Like the reason that people right. buy Louis Vuitton is because of perceptions. And those perceptions were created to fill a need and stretch that need to make it a demand. Uh, yeah. And that's the nature of all things. Otherwise, you wouldn't want them in the first place. That's right. Um, totally agree. How have you gone about doing that, do you think, throughout your various careers? and, and various Being polarizing or creating – with skating, actually, I, I learned this after skateboarding. With skateboarding, I, I went through the – you know, I loved what I did. All I wanted to do was skateboarding. I got introduced to people not liking me. And that was hard for me to deal with. Actually, that was, uh, I think the hardest part about me being pro skateboarder is learning how to cope with hate. Mm. Uh, and so I spent years trying to skate in a way that pleased everybody. And what's funny is for me, I saw my career start off like this start worrying about what people were saying and try to skate the way others wanted. Then my career started doing this mm. and then getting to a point like, I hate this. So I'm just going to be myself. And then start going like this again. Right. Mm. And dude, I, honestly, man, like for me, uh, I really had to start becoming comfortable with myself before I could put myself out there and accept people not liking what I did, even mm. if it was on purpose, right? Like, you know, you look at Jake Paul and you're like, okay, there's, there's, he created this plan before he even got started, right? You still have to be in a place that that can withstand that type of abuse as you're exercising it's the plan, abuse. right? Yeah. It is. And dude, I just, it, it took me a little bit longer to feel comfortable with it. And then now it, it, it's funny, man. It almost happened on accident because in skateboarding, you don't talk about money and you just don't do that. It's like such a no and when I started talking about money in my social media, the skate community went, what the hell is this guy doing? This guy's lost it, right? And then you started seeing some people go, wait, this is actually kind of cool. And, and so it's almost like 
in the skate community, it's so not accepted that I became polarizing just doing it. Mm. And so I'm always kind of experiencing this battle between a lot of people are hating what I'm doing. A lot of people are liking what I'm doing. Now, when you go into outside of skateboarding and more into the finance niche or the investing niche, it's almost happening as well, just because of where we're at with the social climate, right? Mm. There's already this, at least in America, this like socialism versus capitalism. And, you know, just by saying you're a part of building business and investing, there's a whole group of people that hate you just because of it. So it's like, (laughs) I'm capturing skateboarding. I'm capturing it with just the culture. And uh, I'm not even really saying anything that polarizing. Yeah. I think where I'd start with that is, is like understanding the game. I think that when you understand the game, you understand how your character fits into it. You can start to play it differently. Like if you're playing a video game and you know that you, you know, you're, if you die, that's it, then you're going to play the game differently than, Hey, you just get as many restarts as you want. Suddenly you jump and you take different risks. You think about things differently. And I think that it's, it's, it's a really good analogy for this. It's, it's like, what is the game of life, the game of business, the game of relationships, whatever. And if you understand the game, you stop being so precious about things. You stop thinking things so seriously and everything has to mean something and matter. And then you can start to actually create your own purpose out of it and then play it properly. And the ones who are winning, the creators, not the consumers, are understanding the game. They're, they're playing the game. Jake Paul yeah. is playing the game that the general public has frustrations and emotion yeah. and they want to put it places right. and he's like you can put it in my bank account and that's right. he's, he's doing that by generating the attention and then everyone starts planning the fights for him and his team is going to analyze which fight's going to make them the most money and have the lowest potential risk for uh, status loss uh, and brain damage loss and then that'll be his fight and then he'll hype yeah. it up and and then everyone will give him money and he will just keep playing the game. Meanwhile, he's got the anti-fund going. He's got his clotheslines. He's got NFT yeah. dropping. like, And he's just siphoning that attention into these opportunities. And, and in, a, in, a, in a business context, I think that we all, for example, to kind of uh, digress here for a second, like we look at new opportunity, right? How do I create a, a new opportunity with a new audience? I'm really hyped on Jake at the moment. I don't know why. I just look at this kid. I'm like, he's crushing it. He's I love it, yeah. stacking them. He's stacking them. And I think that businesses leave so much money on the table. I think we all leave so much money on the table or, or in any aspect, to be honest, and by looking sideways instead of looking deep. How do you better serve the existing eyeballs that are there than constantly trying to generate new eyeballs by stacking opportunities and your lifetime value per customer per eyeball gets bigger? You generate more revenue. But it starts with getting that attention and then it pivots into how to serve it best. And he's doing that amazingly well. And it's comes back to, you know, he knows the game. He knows what character he needs to be in the game. And yes, you're right. It's like, you got to be comfortable with who you are, but I think you just got to be comfortable with your character. And if you look at yourself in the third person, who am I? I'm a father. What would that father be? Who would he need to be to be the best father? That business person, who would he need to be to be the best business person? I think that we stop taking it so personally and so seriously. I, I don't disagree with you. Mm. I jump in, man. Uh, yeah, I don't. It's not that I dis. I, I disagree. I just one. I think it depends on the person, right? But two, I know what it's like to experience the abuse, right? Mm. It's not easy. It is. It's defeating, right? So even if you are playing the character, a lot of times the character becomes the person, 
right? Mm -hmm. We see this with actors all the time. If the foundation isn't strong, you're not going to go the distance Mm -hmm. once the abuse comes, right? That was at least my experience. It was like, even if I would have built out the character, right? Oh, that attack, it, it, it runs deep. You know what Mm -hmm. I'm saying? So I think for me, it was just, it, you, you have to come down to the foundation. Mm. You have to make sure the foundation is solid before you start moving into first gear, second gear, third gear, mm. et cetera. And I'm not saying it to disagree because I do agree with mm. you. If you can create the character, in theory, it's not a personal attack. They're attacking the character, but they're attacking the system and the system's created to achieve something. They just don't understand it, right? I'm with you there. But you've got to have the strong head to and to to keep it going. That's and exactly to, right. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And look, maybe there's some people that uh, are are okay with that. I think for me, until I give you more context, like my my love language is words of affirmation. Right. I feel good when I'm being praised. I feel good when people are like, dude, great, you're pro skateboard. Then I feel good. Right. A lot of times, and it took me later on to learn this. I didn't even realize that was a thing. I didn't, I didn't really realize what made me tick. Mm. And if you don't understand the internal components and all of a sudden all this outside pressure comes on, you're going to break. Yeah. You know, I had to go, wait, why do I only feel important when people love me? Ah, that's an issue. I need to work on that so that once I don't get that praise, I don't go into depression mode Mm. that other aspects of my life don't suffer because I'm being squeezed in a way that I can't, <laughs> you know, hold the pressure. Uh, but some people aren't like that, man. Some people are like, look, man, I don't need praise. I'm good. Man, you hate me. I'm good. Not my personality. I had to build that, that resilience to it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I think another way to look at it too, is it has to be blips, purposeful blips. If you're just hated by everybody, life will will suck and no matter how much is in your bank account or Certainly. like whatever else happening in your business in your life because it'll it'll eat you up because it, it can't not because we're human but using it popping your head up and then going back down into your tunnel where you can't hear anything anymore is is the yeah. way to go like look at conor mcgregor right he's he's the people's champ people love him in his little group but then he'll pop his head up and just crap on everyone and and be connor uh, but then he goes back and is on his yacht with his family and yep. and signing autographs and people love him so it's like it's balancing i think you i think you have to you have to understand the game you got to play the game and you got to be certain as to why you're playing the game and how you're using it but it's not you and you're not becoming it otherwise it will it'll consume you because if you're not polarizing and you're vanilla no one cares and so you have to do that because that's human nature. They don't want to hear the best information. They want to hear the, the inflammatory information. Yeah. Uh, information. And the, the, the example is like, um, like writing headlines for stuff, right? If you're, if you're doing a social media post. And you can ask people, which of these would you click on? And they won't say the stupid, like the one thing that Tom Cruise didn't tell you about his daughter's left toe is now curing cancer. Like they won't tell you that they're going to click on that one, but they'll click on that one. Because everyone yeah. likes, they've got this idea of, of who they are and then there's the actual version of themselves. And I think that that's why this stuff works. And you've got to make sure that you're doing it with integrity, of course. Yeah. But I think yeah. that once you go, what I'm doing is good, it helps people, then you have to you have to play the game because that's the only way that you're going to get the attention so that you can help the people. That's and right. too many of us don't accept and do that because we worry about the comments section 
of our ads or whatever. And now yeah, I enjoy on- it. I love, I love reading stupid people's comments. <laughs> are you on TikTok at all? Uh, no, I missed, I missed that. This- and and that, um, I, I really want, I, I, I go on there, but I get too addicted, man. Just it, Seriously, you would love it only because you're describing the strategy that you have to perform to be successful on TikTok, right? Mm. One, you have to capture attention right away. Headline, what stops them and goes, wait, what? What keeps them the whole way? But to the other part, so with, with TikTok, al- algorithms are the biggest driving factor for people to see the content, right? If you use the right hashtag, that delivers your content to them first. And if you're directing it in the right way and it performs, then it gets sent out, right? So a lot of people do is like, let's say, I'm going to create a political piece, right? Let's say I'm a liberal. I'm going to create a liberal talking point, but my hashtags are going to be liberal, conservative, Trump, Biden. So you're getting both parties yeah. to come in and attack it, which is then going to drive this thing bonkers. And then here we go, right? Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's exactly what you're saying. It's like anytime I talk about Bitcoin, you know, from a, a positive or negative, I'm going to include stocks, bonds, real estate, get all of them in to bicker over it you know it works dude i'm with you 50 percent have to hate you 50 percent have to love you i had had an interesting strategy um that somebody was using where they would they would talk a bunch of crap about people who would never or a topic around people who would never be their client to generate so much talk that those who would be a potential client paid attention to the conversation and would then see the person and then naturally a portion of them look into the person and go, oh, this is legit, and then move forward. I love that. That's yeah. it's amazing. And that's basically what you're talking about, right? It's like you could just if – you're, if you're working with let, – let's say you're working – you've got a program and you help entry-level people wanting to put a little bit of money into crypto or something like that. But it, it's mums and dads who have heard about crypto but don't know much about it. And so you, you target all these people that hate it um, but have an audience – who would be probably interested to put a thousand bucks into crypto and see what happens. And, um, and now you get all these eyeballs because you just exactly crap right. on the, the mainstream. <laughs> it's so good. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. right. I need to, uh, I need to dive into this a bit deeper and get into TikTok. Um, you would be into it. I'm telling you, you would love it. Just hearing like that you're into kind of the persuasion element of marketing or grabbing attention. Mm. That, that, that's TikTok, man. The whole entire platform is built around that. Yeah. Everyone thinks that it's still what well, everyone still thinks that it's just dancing teenage girls listening to music and TikTok's That's changed. Not, oh my gosh, yeah. Their whole driving factor for the last six months has been education. They put all their dollars towards education and they're mm. try they've been kind of not trying, they've been moving away from dance for a while. I mean, dude, out of all the platforms, we get more leads for investors through TikTok than any of them. Wow. That's our biggest lead source is TikTok. Is that crazy? That's insane. I and they're not guys, 20 year old kids. It's nah. not YouTubers hitting me up, dudes. 40, 50, 60 year old, you know, men and women asking, yeah. you know, how to invest in real estate and coming through TikTok. Yeah. Because fundamentally they've what they've cracked is is, is better than other platforms is our need to just keep scrolling through stuff. Yeah. And attention. How well they've randomized your ability to get new content and the content that you want. Because yep. let's go deep here for, for a second for, for the next kind of five minutes before we have to finish up because, man, I could talk about this all day. Before you even start, I have to tell you, this is like been one of the, this is like a conversation. <laughs> like this has been so enjoyable. It's like we're just talking as friends. It's, 
Yeah, this man. is great. That's the whole point. Show. That's the whole point. I um, love it. Because everyone listening to this just gets people don't get to have these conversations and they get they get to hear it and and get yeah. the goal between the lines. Anyway, so you know World of Warcraft. I don't know if you ever played back in the day. Multi-person online game, right? Massive, biggest game, millions of players. When you would go and do a quest in the game to go and find five of these objects or go and kill ten of these creatures, right? If they gave it to you straight away, it didn't give your brain enough crack right like it wasn't a it didn't juice you enough it had to be this feeling of i'm not quite achieving it and then the game would know when you're about to give up based on your actions and it would then the next one it would give it to you and it's literally just and this is a basic principle in psychology of if you want to train somebody to do something you never reward them every time they do it you reward them in random intervals you begin by rewarding them regularly, and that's what they do. The first three creatures you kill, you get the thing. You're like, sweet, I'm three down. only got seven to go. Then the next four, you don't get any, and you're like, crap. And then you get one, and then and you're like, okay, keep going, and then you don't get a couple, and then you get one. And it's designed to keep you hooked and repeating the thing over and over and over again. And the game, the entire game is based off of like seven different quest types just repurposed and reskinned, right, fundamentally. Social media has nailed that. Because evolutionarily speaking, we're conditioned to keep going because if you don't keep going, you don't get food, you don't make babies, you know, you die. And so we, we get addicted to this, this reward system and the best way of doing the reward system is randomized. You can do it with pigeons. Flick them a bit of food, random intervals. They'll do random activities because they think that that's what got them the thing. It's superstitions. Pigeons have superstition. Yeah. And social media platforms have done that and TikTok has done it better to bring, drive my point home. I think better than anybody else and, and giving us what we want just enough to keep us hooked to the platform to get to the next thing. Dude, I watched, I got on TikTok and I was watching like hours of these stupid videos, guy showing me hacks with my, my iPhone. And I was like, this is super interesting. And then like an hour's passed. I'm like, what the hell have I been doing? This is, and I just got off. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I can't, I can't use it for what TikTok's function is. That yeah. Same thing happens to me. I sucked in. I look around like, uh, what happened? Yeah. It's dude, they, it's a, they did a great job on it. Yeah. So we, we have to understand that, you know, you can get, you know, all political about it and say it's bad and we've got to change it or you can lean into the machine and, and, and I'm advocating for, especially in our businesses side of things like my kids, I'm not gonna let my kids, you know, get too involved in that kind of stuff. Like even kids shows, they're designed yeah. to keep kids addicted. I don't know if you have yeah. kids, but like, Coco melon yeah. and that kind of crap. Like yeah. it's just hooking yeah. kids in. So we avoid it. But I think that there is the vast majority of people are involved. And if I've got a product or service that benefits, then I'm I'm gonna dive deep into it, not as a consumer, but as a creator. And too many people are consumers. Even in investing right. to, to sidetrack right. for a second. You know what I mean? You buy more iPhones than you buy Apple stock. If you had bought Apple stock for the last 10 years instead of buying iPhones, you'd probably be rich. That's uh, right. Instead of having 10 iPhones that are dead. It's interesting. That's right. Um, right. If I wanted to start getting into TikTok, then uh, what would be your advice? What would you What would you tell me, knowing that I work with entrepreneurial health professionals to grow their practices, and entrepreneurs in general who are wanting to have more success? Well, I mean, honestly, for you to get into it, it wouldn't be that hard, right? You would spend time just studying how it's used, and then you would implement your strategies that you already understand, just so that it works on the TikTok platform, right? Mm -hmm. Like. You know, you already know your niche. You know who your avatar is, so you most likely are going to focus in that niche, right? Yeah. 
And then as you start creating content, the thing you would learn is just, okay, how long do a, does a TikTok video have to be to capture the most amount of attention? And how do these hashtags work so that I could maximize exposure, right? Once you know the little inner workings of, of the platform, all of the same, you know, all the same psychology still is at play when it comes to marketing. So it, it wouldn't be hard for you at all. I think it's just like, I would look at how you use your other platforms. Who am I on Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, et cetera? And I just need to add that same purpose. Just use TikTok as a new vehicle for it. I like that. Yeah. I like that. For everyone listening to get really good context of what we're talking about with, with sort of gaming the system, go look up Mr. Beast on YouTube. You know how I'm talking about, right? Of course. Holy crap. So for everyone who doesn't know, this this guy basically just gives away money and stuff and he's got millions and millions of subscribers and is crushing it because he understands the game, which is like, I gave away a Porsche and everyone's like, what? And they all go watch the video and that's all of his videos in a nutshell. And he's doing insane. That's right. He nailed it. Yeah. So interesting. Go and watch it and then think, how do I maybe not give away a bunch of stuff, but like, how do I use, because what's actually happening here is he's, he's capturing attention for people who are just scrolling around the internet, looking for entertainment and he's capturing eyeballs. And then he's doing like we talked about with Jake Paul of stacking uh, the offers. I presume I haven't dove too deep into him, but I'd assume there's that there's, there's merch, there's other stuff. And then there's ad revenue because yep. once you have the attention, you can sell the attention stuff. And most platforms sell advertising and YouTube, Facebook doesn't give you anything, but I think they're dabbling with that. But YouTube uh, gives you something for it. Um, But us as business owners and and influencers, um, our products and our services, we just have to get the attention of enough of the school of fish, the pond, that a good portion of them can be potential customers. And we have a good monetization avenues that mean that the value there is there. uh, and And it feeds it. Everyone tries to get too fancy. Healthcare is a great example of that. Everyone wants to build a referral based practice because they're the best and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, it's not scalable. Stop trying to wait for people to come to you and give you people. Capture yep. attention and then convert them. And uh, that's what I spend all day doing is, is helping people realize that it's, it's you know, you want a thousand eyeballs, not 10 who buy. You want a thousand yeah, and then maybe right. there's 20 in there because that's more yeah. and more scalable. But um, anyway, right. I digress. Dude, I could talk to, you, talk to you for hours. This is awesome. I need to get you on I don't want to do this again. 100%. Yeah, 100%. Sure. Where can our audience connect with you online? If you want to connect with me, Mikey Taylor, it's pretty much any platform, just put in my name. And then uh, if you want to check out our company, it's Commune Capital, communecapital.com or any platform, Commune Capital. Amazing. Thank you so much, man. Uh, Oh, dude, um, pleasure. This was fun. Heaps of fun. Heck yeah. We'll speak soon. Take it easy. Hit me up for real. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Everything shared will be in the description of the episode so you can go and grab that. Now, if you enjoyed the show and you want to listen to more, please subscribe because every week we're releasing new episodes with inspiring people, successful people, so you can level up your game. So subscribe and also leave us a review. We'd love to hear feedback about the show and your thoughts and opinions there as well. Now, if you want to have more success, whether it's in your life, whether it's in your business, we run live trainings every single week where you can get access to me to coach you through everything from health, wealth, success, business, We're doing topics on all things that you need to live a better, more inspired and successful life. Live trainings every single week. Just visit jamesnielsonwatt.com forward slash live 
and you can get access to that. Now, there's also a ton of resources that you get for just listening to the show. All of that will be in the description. So if you are watching this on YouTube, check the description. If you're listening to this episode, check the description. We've got a load of resources there for you to have more success in your life, whether it's relationships, investing, or in business. I'll see you on the next episode. And as always, subscribe, leave a review, and tell your friends because there's somebody else that needs to be hearing this and maybe you're their opportunity to help them level up their game.